From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. You've counted down the seconds. Now make every second count for you. University of Maryland Global Campus will help you wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to a new year where you take the next step in your education. Whether you want to study business, cybersecurity, healthcare, or IT, University of Maryland Global Campus can help. Apply by January 31st and we'll waive your application fee. Learn online. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Welcome to El Telejones La Liga Weekly. So, of the top five, only Barcelona won. None of the bottom five lost, although Abar uh, didn't play because, for weird reasons, the collapse of a landfill site threw up a, a poisonous gas cloud, and so their game was called off. The Basque-ish derby that was played uh, saw Osasuna uh, get a win away to Athletic. Uh, Terry Gibson, uh, shamefully, so has only seen eight and a half games um, this week in, in La Liga, Terry, because you missed the start of the Sevilla game, uh, breaking your recent record. And, of course, uh, you'll have to reschedule. Uh, you and La Liga will have to get together and reschedule that day bar. Uh, Real Sociedad game. Um, at my convenience. Yes, yes, when, when you're all ready. Yes, and the, uh, yes, the, uh, and the environment is a bit more uh, conducive to people running around. Ah, oh, right. Shall we start at the end, as it were? Uh, Real Madrid, Celta Vigo. Um, so, uh, Joseph uh, Idu and his teammates take down Zidane, literally, uh, in his case. Yeah. And um, it's it's thrown the title race a little bit more open, hasn't it? Uh, Real Madrid dropping points for the first time uh, in, in, in quite a while. And is it, are we looking at Zidane's team selection here? Are we, look, are we pointing the finger at sort of Bale or Marcelo? Or not? What, what's the fair interpretation of it? Yeah, no, I, I don't think we can point the, the finger at Zidane. I mean, you look at those players that started. Marcelo has, no matter what people think, he's served Real Madrid well. He should be trusted to be able to play and perform adequately enough um, against a team that are fighting a relegation battle at home. Um, Bale Benzema has, a, I think, in form. Um, they should be the first choice front three. Hazard, of course, just come back from injury. Gareth Bale is a long way short, I have to say, of his, his best former. I've mentioned in the podcast recently that he's, he isn't a decisive player at the moment for Real Madrid. He should be. He potentially can be, which he's proved over the years. Um, but at the moment, I would imagine that would be... You know, I think Mendy plays in, in the, the big games coming up um, instead of Marcelo. And I think Hazard, as soon as he's he's back fit, I think he's a, he's a, an obvious to start for Real Madrid's strongest team. Possibly the the, the one issue is is there's one position and it's it's Bell's position because he's not doing enough to convince Zidane that he is the you know rightfully the, the first choice player. So it'd be interesting to see if a player 
automatically directly takes his place out in that wide attacking position, or does it give Zidane the opportunity to play Isco and, and Kroos and Modric and Casemiro and Valverde, mix it up in midfield, play an extra midfield player and, and play Hazard and, and Benzema as the front two. So I think it's, it's a wasted opportunity for Gareth Bale. We, we hear so much talked about him. We hear so much from his agent about how he's happy and enjoying life, playing for Real Madrid and living in Spain, living in Madrid. I want to see the, the bloody evidence of it now that he wants to stay at the club and he wants to, you know, get his place back as an important player at Real Madrid, an important player in, in world football. Um, so I think that was, a, a, again, a, a wasted opportunity. And he's getting the opportunities. We can't criticise Zidane for picking Gareth Bell. I mean, the majority of managers throughout the world, if they've got the opportunity to pick Gareth Bell, Hazard and Marcelo, They'll pick him in any game, let alone a game at home to a relegation threatened Celta Vigo. So I don't think it was a case of we can blame Zidane. I was coming on to this podcast prior to that game thinking, how much stick can I give Barcelona without going over the top? <laughs> and they've won. And now that the focus is on, you know, Real Madrid performance, which really was, was lacking... Every now and then they have a performance where they, they get complacent. They just switch off. You know, big games are coming up. I know they're done playing the Champions League this week, but, you know, it was it, it was a little bit complacent the way they started the game. The goal they conceded wasn't, the defence wasn't as tight as it usually, or it has been lately. Um, and then when they went 2-1 up, we saw the real, you know, the genuine Real Madrid. They come back, they, they didn't panic. They got the equaliser, they got the second goal. Like me, they probably thought, well, that's the game done and dusted now. Um, but I'm not playing. They have to play for the 90 minutes. They have to see the game through. And it's it's an ongoing situation that's, that's going to be a problem for Real Madrid. They rely heavily on their defensive stats because, again, they don't score the goals that their performances should do. So you're looking at this game today. They, they play pretty well. They've lots of ball. Kroos gets the first goal. Ramos gets the second from a penalty spot. So... That goes to show how important the role of Gareth Bale is. I think that I heard in commentary it's 11 months since he scored at the Bernabeu, which is absolutely ridiculous. And, of course, Hazard has been, his season has been punctuated by a long injury. Um, he's only got one goal this season. So they need to, to find someone who can hit the back end of the net on a regular basis. Yeah, Hazard's played, before tonight, played 604 minutes in La Liga. It's not a lot, is it? Uh, for a player no. that they paid so much for. And it's something that we overlook, I think, sometimes when we're talking about um, the value of a player. When you compare that to, say, Griezmann or Iñaki Williams or somebody, these guys who never miss a game. I, I, I know Williams gets rotated sometimes, but, you know, uh, hardly ever injured. Uh, and so it's, it's you know, it's a significant factor. I mean, uh, Hazard's... I liked Hazard's contribution. It's good to see him wearing a Real Madrid shirt, isn't it? Because it, it was it November, I think, we last saw him play, the, when the Champions League was on, wasn't it, that he, he last figured. So are they are they easing him back in so he can play against Manchester City? Try and, you know, try and play I, a full game in that one? I would think so, wouldn't you? I, th I would think that yeah. that's the, 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 the prime objection, of the fact that he's played in this game. There was talk that he might have been able to have played last week or so sooner but they wasn't sure it was the right conditions for him to play in. Um, so a home game against Celta, I know it ended up 4-1 to Real Madrid at Osasuna, but it, I think they were expecting a, a fiercer contest. Um, but Celta at home, they probably thought it was the ideal game to bring him back in. 
They next week are away to Levante. He'll have to play in that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start games coming up in the next few weeks and come off with 10, 15 minutes to go for maybe three or four games, which includes Levante, which includes Manchester City. But if they can get a good 60, 70 minutes out of him, at his best, he is that player that I was talking that, you know, that Gareth Bell needs to be. So I think we have to remember as well, he didn't set the world on light at the start of the season. There were mm. signs that he was getting better. The Spanish press, of course, are desperate for him to do well. Why wouldn't they be? But I think when they, they were clutching at straws a little bit, went towards the, just before he got injured, when he was, he was playing okay. I think we've seen more of him in the Premier League. And we know he's capable of far better than, than what we've seen so far in, in a Real Madrid shirt. So hopefully, from Real Madrid's point of view and, and Hazard's point of view, and, and us that like watching La Liga football, he's 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 not going to take as long to get going as he did at the start of the season. Uh, in these situations, we should always remember to praise the the underdog that got a good result. So Celta Vigo, uh, we we've been very critical of them in in not so recent weeks, but then last week they beat Sevilla. This week they get a draw away at the Bernabeu. That, that's, that's a very good haul uh, for a club that is still very much in the relegation uh, battle. It is. And then when you see the players that they brought on tonight, you can understand why we are critical of them. I mean, to bring off yeah. the bench, Denis Suarez, Senti Mina, Pioni Sisto. That, that's three really good subs, good attacking subs. They were forced into it because... They were trading and, you know, and behind and trying to get an equaliser. But the, the quality is there. So I think that's why we've, we've... I think it's fair that we've criticised them this season, going through managers again. Um, they rely heavily on, on Aspas. So it was good to see Smolov get a goal. It was good to get, see Sentimina get a goal. It was good to see the impact Danny Suarez had when he came on. It was smashing to see Rafinha, possibly his best game in the season. Um and, and, and you look at Celta and, and you know, they, they shouldn't be down the bottom, but they are. And, you know, those four points picked up in the last two games. I think the win against Sevilla set them up in terms of confidence for an improved performance against Real Madrid. And they look they looked a decent team. I mean, it was 1-0 at half time. They go behind 2-1. For 10 minutes or so, you're thinking that Real Madrid are going to run away with it, get the third goal, the next goal of the game to take it away. And then... Slowly but surely, with the introduction of the, the subs and the changes made, back back three or back five went to a back four, and suddenly they start getting a bit more possession, and they were fighting back. And that's what you do when you're down the bottom of the league. But uh, to get a point there, it's 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 worth a lot more in terms of spirit and belief for the Celta players, and it was important because the teams at the bottom are improving; they're starting to pick up points, and They've, they've closed the gap, certainly, on three or four teams that thought they were well and truly safe. But uh, So it was a massive point for Celta. Uh, right then, Terry, deep breath. How, um, Barcelona against Hetafe, <laughs> how critical are you going to be? <laughs> well, it, it, it's an interesting one because for the first 10, 15 minutes, Hetafe had two, three, four counter attacks where they either failed to get a shot away or it was down to PK on TT to Stegen to, to dig Barcelona out of, the, out, of the, out of trouble. And then Barcelona, I thought, for 20, 25 minutes in the first half, you could see what Setien's trying to do. So they moved the ball around quickly. They won the ball back quickly. Busquets is a changed player. I can see the influence on... The most interesting aspect for me has been to Stegen. 
his role under Kike Setien, where he's almost been asked, you can tell, I mean, it doesn't need much encouraging. He's almost been asked to play as an outfield player at times when, you know, they're taking short goal kicks to him in the penalty area. Yes, yes. So, which is, no one else does that. So, PKMT, he put the ball down on the six-yard box and they play it to him. They split and he dribbles out the back and comes out of his penalty area with it. So, that's one of the influences we're seeing from Seti and in in fact, he wants to use him as, you know, a third centre-back at times. As I said, Busquets is playing much better. I think the former Messi is a slight concern in terms of goal scoring because that's what they rely on. I mean, it's fantastic when you're not playing as well as you normally do in front of goal to still continue game after game to create chances for your teammates. And I mean, the, the move for the first goal, the, the pass from Messi, the finish from Griezmann was top draw, absolutely brilliant. Likewise, the second goal. You know, the movement was good, better passing, both full-backs involved, one crossing it to the other one to score. It was it was Barcelona. Watching them then, you're looking at it and thinking, on top of the Betis game last week, watching the first half, apart from the first 10 or 15 minutes, you're thinking, this is going in the right direction. And in the second half, it just completely fell apart. I mean, it was, again, we give credit to Celta, we have to give credit to Hatafe, although they didn't get the benefit of picking up a point and getting a result. But Barcelona played totally into their hands. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. It was almost it was a mission, I thought. I didn't realise the rivalry between Kike Setien and Bordelas. No handshake before the game, no handshake after the game. It goes back to one when, when one was manager of Lugo and one was manager of Alcacon and Setien criticised the tactics of Bordelas. So it's an ongoing issue. And it almost looked to me as if Setien felt he had the, the advantage, which he does. He has world-class superstars and he has Lionel Messi. Um, trying to do it in the, the most purest form that he could find to defeat his arch-rival. To the extent that it almost cost him the game. You know? yeah, so I'm, um... I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Ansu Fati playing ahead of Arturo Vidal, who played really well last week. But Vidal's a hard nut. He's aggressive. He puts his foot in. Ansu Fati is the purest form up against Alan Neum. Can he get the better of him? And it almost proved costly. And when Barcelona were, were trying to play out the back at all costs, encouraged by the coach, and of course, Bordelas, his team, they want to get in your face. They want to close you down on the edge of the penalty area. And it worked, and it worked, and it worked. And what what amazed me was that Barcelona did respond. They kept playing the same and just hoping that something happened up the other end and one of the counter-attacks, or hope, keeping their fingers crossed, that no one did what Angel did. You know, fantastic goal to put them back in the game. So that was the big surprise for me, that serial winners in that team didn't respond and, and, you know, in the way they probably should have done to make sure that they stayed at minimum three points behind Real Madrid because that game, that could have been a draw quite easily. I mean, Hatafe probably, if I'm being honest, deserved something from that game. Um, we've discussed Bordelas quite a few times and I think we're both of the view that they don't do anything. He's, he's not a criminal, is he? You know, they don't do anything particularly no, terrible. No. Um, they, they're, they're competitive and aggressive. They They... Yeah, they do minor things that are wrong that other clubs do. It's mainly their main thing is the intensity, 
uh, with which they played the game, which last time I looked was was not against the the rules. Apparently, he's learning English. Um, can you see him moving on? Uh, would he ever get to, given that, if you want to say it, snobbery uh, against him that you yeah. mentioned, Kike Setien, um, would he ever get to go to a a glamorous club? Yeah, I, I would like to hope that the clubs, we're talking Premier League, if he's, speak, if he's learning English, yeah. I would hope that Premier League, whoever recruits these managers, would look at what he's had to work with in terms of budget, finance, the players that he's buying. He's taking a loan at a player from Stoke City who played yesterday and played well against Barcelona. He's got three 30-something, one of them's 37-year-olds up front. So perhaps, you know, he has a style of play, but that's clear to see. He has his principles, his fundamentals that he believes in. But he's never had a job where he's got the players that Kike Setien has. I'm pretty sure he's a smart enough guy to know that he works with what is available to him, what the club he works for, what they can afford. But I don't know if anyone saw it. There was a really interesting clip on La Liga TV about his, it showed him in the change room before the game, motivating well, his players as they were f- finishing off getting changed and whatever. And yeah. all he kept saying was, he kept, he kept repeating it in different phrases, but basically the gist of it, gist of it was, was we are a powerful team. You are powerful players. And he kept repeating that in different ways. And it was all about... So you kind of watching it as a player. I'm looking at it and thinking, if that's said as many times as you think, uh, you know, we've heard it in a, in a one-minute clip, he must be yeah. saying that to them all the time. So using that motivation to... to you know, those players would have gone out against Barcelona yesterday, knowing full well, feeling that they were, we are a powerful team. I'm a powerful player and we're playing against players that we can overpower. So it was really, it was fascinating to watch. I mean, it started off, you thought, uh, what's he going to be saying here? And it was just the sheer fact he kept repeating it to individuals, to the group as they were getting dressed and, and just before they went out to, to play the game. And it was a, a constant mantra. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. Just repeating it, so in the it was getting into the players' heads. So he's a smart guy; he knows what he's doing. I, you know, I totally respect what he has done with Hatafe, and seeing it, Alan Neam up against Fatty, it was Beauty and the Beast, and I have to say that <laughs> the Beast won in the end. It was, it was just, you know, every time Fatty went to run past him and went to show a bit of skill, Alan Neam just used his power. It wasn't a great, it wasn't overly aggressive. It wasn't dirty. He wasn't fouling him. It was just, you know, you show I'm power, more powerful than you. So it was, it was a really good performance from Hatafe. Barcelona just sneaked over the line. They're one point behind Real Madrid. They've got lots of issues to sort out. They look a million miles away from being a team that can win La Liga, but I, I wouldn't bet against them doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these two now, isn't it? Because there's a big gap formed, isn't there, now between two uh, and three, which we've sort of known, I think, for a while, haven't we, that it was going to pan out this way and be uh, those two, perhaps a little earlier than we would have wanted. Um, I, I see also that they dug out the, the old uh, Animo uh, Usman T-shirts that uh, they must yeah. have had out three times before. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because he's out again, um, which is precisely you know the point I was making about a player such as Griezmann. Uh, how robust he is and what you get in terms of value for money. So Barcelona, it's a weird situation, Terry, isn't it, where uh, because they've got a player out for the season, they can go and buy a player 
on this emergency arrangement if they want to. Um, and Hell was one of those linked. Uh, obviously, scoring a really nice goal against them uh, was was pretty handy. Um, I heard Graham Hunter in the commentary say, why not Chukwesi? He's got a release clause uh, in his contracts. So what would you do if you were Barcelona now in this situation and, and you're allowed to go and um, spend some money? Well, they haven't got the greatest record of spending money, have they? So what, where would you go? What would you do? Well, they haven't got the, the greatest amount of finance available, hence why we're talking about Angel, William Jose, Loren, um, Roger Marty was one which... I thought, you know, it might be of interest to Barcelona. And last week, his name was linked with that position. So because they haven't got the money, that they're buying a stopgap, um, which you kind of feel if if they was to buy Angel, let's just use him for instance. If they was to buy Angel for 10 million, something he's buy at clause, they're not going to need him next season. So they probably end up selling him back. You know where he'll end up, back at Hatafe for about five million. So yeah. it's purely a stopgap because if they were buying a player, a genuine player for the future, for the next three, four, five years, none of these players would be mentioned. The fact that we're not mentioning players that they should be linked with um, is because they haven't got the money. So I think that dictates where they're going. I still don't think personally they should be allowed to, you know, not just Barcelona. I don't think anybody should be allowed to do it unless it's a, a goalkeeping crisis. That's the only position I think it should stand. And you, you cause, because we, we joked about Arda Turen is a Barcelona player still. You'd think yeah. that would come yeah. into the equation somewhere that, hang on, you've got this, it was world-class Um I know he's had issues, but he still belongs to you and he's been out on loan and he's back at the club. He hasn't got a club. He's, so use him as a replacement. That's your bad planning. You allowed Carlos Alenia to go on loan to Barbetis. Um, Carlos Perez, yeah. they sold to Rome. So it, it's poor planning, which, which follows on from the theme that most of the things that Barcelona have done lately in terms of planning have been poor. So... The fact they're allowed, they can't be treated any different just because they're Barcelona. It's not just a rule for Barcelona. So they're allowed to do it. Um, but it does seem strange the names that are being linked, with all due respect to them, in normal circumstances, any other transfer window, they wouldn't be linked with Barcelona. So it, it's a strange one what they're going to do. I, I said Maxi Gomez would be my first choice. Go and pay his, but they haven't got the money. So that that's yeah. the big problem. Also, we've got to mention Coutinho's out on loan at Bayern Munich. So that's another yeah. part of the bad planning. You know, yes. it, it's um, they, they, got, it is a strange strange loophole that they're you know not not they're using that clubs can use. Yeah, I mean it it's it seems a strange thing given that they've won the La Liga in the last couple of years, but it's not a well structured club from the top is that they've got, they've got away with having had good players in paying them a fortune because you look at Barcelona and their worldwide support the people around the world listening to us who are Barcelona fans uh, big stadium reasonably good TV money go a long way in the Champions League how come you've got no money how come you, you're not able uh, to, to be splashing the cash around and I suppose you look at it and you say uh, bad transfer business such as uh, Usman Dembele th- throwing money away in a panic because they, you know, they rather than being seen to to bank the Neymar money and spend it wisely, they felt obliged to go and chuck it away uh, straight away. And it just seems like uh, successive 
bad planning um, and then panicky buys that, and are sort of left with this incredibly small, relatively fragile squad. Um, and yeah, I even look at the Griezmann one last summer. Yeah, that that they did that far too quick, and then there was yeah. a chance of of getting Neymar, and they'd yeah. spent the money. Yeah. You know, that 120 million that they paid Griezmann's buy it clause. If you pan a buy it clause, I'm pretty sure that's all paid up in one go. Mm. So it's you know they, once they'd spent that, there was no chance of Neymar joining last summer. When it was clear he was the popular choice, the club wanted him back, the players wanted him back, but they'd, they'd done their dough on, on Griezmann. I'm not saying it was a bad choice, it was just bad planning in the fact that they they did the Griezmann deal practically as, as soon as the season ended, then it was just a case of waiting until a particular date, wasn't it, where his price dropped about £100 million. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And yes. that's when they were able to sign him because there was a rule. Yeah. He had a clause in his contract that after a certain date, the price went from 200 and something to 100 and something. But And then it was, oh, Neymar's available. Oh, but we've, we've spent all the money we had already. So, I mean, there's been some good buys along the way. I'm, I'm not just slagging them off for the fun of it, but the planning is the thing that's led them to this situation now where they only had Suarez, Messi, Dembele and Griezmann anyway which is, is too light in terms of... And then you're looking at Ansu Fati and Carlos Perez and, you know, at the moment doing the Christian Teo role where they're, they're filling in and coming on as subs and Cuenca, Jefferson Suarez, Bojan, these young players that come through that fulfil that part of, you know, coming off the bench in the easier games or the games where they're leading. But they haven't even got that at the moment. It's it's they're relying on a, a just seventeen year old to be playing in a lot of their games at the moment. So it's it, it, terrible planning. Mm. And a few players out on loan who would be playing, who would be getting game time if they were uh, still at the club. Uh, shall we take a break? And I tell you what, I know we've got to do the rest of La Liga, Terry, but I'm also interested. Um, in your views on on Manchester City as well. So shall we do that briefly Mm -hmm. uh, after the break and then we'll get back on with the the rest of La Liga. Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Welcome back to El Talon John's La Liga Weekly. And I'm going to break the rules of not talking about La Liga. Uh, obviously, we've got Champions League coming up uh, in the week with the, the Spanish uh, first leg of the Spanish-English clash, as it were, Atleti against Liverpool. We'll do Atleti next. But uh, I, I promised everyone, Terry, your views on Manchester City. So as it stands, they're being chucked out of European competition for the next two seasons. Find as well. I think the fine is, a, I know it's a lot of money in the normal, any kind of normal sphere of life, but it's not particularly uh, in this context. I don't think it's the it's the two year ban uh, that is the the huge thing. Uh, yeah, give us your view. Have you have you got sympathy for City or not? No, 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 not if they're guilty. No, of course not. Um, my sympathy would be if they're the only team that are found guilty. I think we all know the other one that everybody suspects are in a similar position, which is PSG. 
and and the the, the the laws are there. Everybody has to abide by the laws. It, it's they don't just do it for fun and hope to leave millions of loopholes that people can come up with. You know, sponsorship deals that are not entirely all that they suggest they are. Um, it's it's you know it it's um it's a totally different matter whether you agree with the the, the rules or the laws in place. But if the laws are there and the rules are there. Which in this case they are, and if they're broken, then you know teams have to be punished. Uh, clubs have to be punished. Um, it's similar to yeah, Saracens, I guess, in, in the rugby. The laws are there for everybody. Yeah. You can't have one team going off and pretending to do the right thing when they're clearly not. So it's, but as I say, it's a different matter entirely if you agree whether it should be. Well, if you've got the money, if you're PSG, if you're Manchester City, if you're backed with incredible wealth. You can spend what you want on players. That's a different matter. Um, but at this moment in time, the laws are there to stop pl- clubs doing that. So if they've done it, then it, you know, and it does appear um, whether they can appeal and change change the, the decision. But if they've broken the, the rules, then I, yeah, I've got no problem with what's you know how it's been dealt with in terms of Manchester City. Um, two things occur to me Uh, one I've got no sympathy with City over this argument where they they question UEFA's right to make a decision which seems baffling to me Uh, they say oh well UEFA are acting as judge and jury and and I think well it is their competition Mm. they are the governing body of European (laughs) football so that seems the obvious thing to happen there is the court of arbitration for sport so there is a higher court you can take it to which is what will happen next and we'll see they might get it reduced um Having said that, I do have. Uh, I, I saw a writer, David Goldblatt, who's a, a very interesting writer. Uh, his, he made a very good point. Not much you can do about it now. Uh, he said financial fair play happened about 20 years too late. It should have come in at the start of the Champions League because his point is that what happened is that the big clubs with the big income um, got themselves into this very dominant position. Uh, and then the financial fair play rules are not just about debt, which they probably should be, but they're about owner investment. And so, mm-hmm. in a sense, what happens with the financial fair play, it just locks in the advantage of the clubs that have already got all the fans. So and, totally. and you end up I think, with, yeah. with the rich getting richer, which is not very interesting uh, for football. Uh, and obviously the big clubs do that all the time. And And then... I've also got very little sympathy for the big clubs when they start banging on about uh, poor us. We have to play the odd FA Cup replay every couple of seasons. <laughs> you know, I've got no yeah. sympathy uh, at all. So I've got a little bit of sympathy for City. But having said that, uh, and then you're arguing that you know this sort of uh, oil money from the Middle East should be allowed to come in and and change the whole of football, and then. Um, then you lose everyone's sympathy at that point, don't you? So so you know the the argument sort of goes nowhere. And you come back to your point, which I agree with, that you know, if, if they, you know, the rules are there and you've got to live by the rules, otherwise it's chaos. So, you know, no sympathy. Um, so, yeah, yeah, what the Manchester City oh, yeah. and, and PSG have done is tried yeah. to play catch up and shortcut it with billions of pounds, which, yeah, that's their own right to do that. Um, I'm not totally, you would have thought that. so, but it's, out, it's outside of the rules, isn't it? So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's the thing. If you've broken the rules, you 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 face the punishment. The consequences are going to be massive for Manchester City. The manager, the players, players at a certain time in their career are not going to waste 
two years not being involved in Champions League football, you know, players like De Bruyne is 29, for instance. He's not going to want to wait you, around until he's 31, 32 before he's back in it again. Do you really think that will happen? Do you think, can you see players walking out on City or asking to leave City now? Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Yes, I, do. I think if you're young, you're I... 22, 23, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll live with it. Um, but I yeah. think if you're 29, as in the case of Kevin De Bruyne, and it's not your fault that you're going to be, you know, sitting at home watching the Champions League for the next two years. Um, you'll be 31, 32 when it's done. Your best days might have gone past. So, yeah, no, I think there will be some that will look at it that way, for sure. OK, let's let's crack back on with La Liga, shall we? So, Valencia 2, Atleti 2. Um, as ever, Atleti started well. They they were in front inside 15 minutes. And then, to be fair, it was, it was, it was a decent game after that. Uh, set pieces... For Valencia, a weird goal by Condogbia, where I think he kicks it with both feet at some point, doesn't he? And it sort of scuffs <laughs> off the bottom of his uh, foot and into the goal, which is a shame for Thomas Partey because he scored uh, an absolute cracker. But it is just one win in seven. So away at the Mestalla, you think it's a decent result, but you know, one win in seven yeah. isn't good for Atleti. No, it was one of those games I looked at and I thought, do you know what? I'm not going to be critical of either of these teams. It was a really good game. As you, you're right. A draw away at Valencia isn't the worst result in the world for Atletico. And a draw at home for Valencia against Atletico, being behind twice, players missing through injury. It's a decent game. It's a decent result for them as well. And I thought both teams played well. I thought it was slightly alarming from Atletico's point of view, conceding two from set pieces, being ahead twice as well. So perhaps at the start of the season, we thought they were going to be secure at the back, um, as secure as they've been in the past. I would even criticise Oblak for the Condogbia goal, because when you look at it, first of all, you're looking at Marcus Llorente, who played well, scored the first goal, and was blamed. I blamed him. I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, who's picking Condogbia up? And it's Marcus Llorente. And you're thinking, bit of a mismatch there, but... He has to do better. But Condobio actually side, does whatever he does to bundle it home on the six-yard box from a set piece that's 40 yards away. So I'm looking at Oblak there and thinking it's an in-swinger. He probably should have come and dealt with that and, and bailed his, his teammate out. So that's the only way I would be critical of Atletico in that game. I thought they would, they, you know, considering the players there without as well, I thought it was a, a really good game. Smashing to see a really... Attractive game on a Friday night. Atletico in the Champions League this week. Doesn't it make sense to you know to play one of the Champions League teams, if possible, on a Friday night to give them the extra day or so's rest? Um, and, and you know, I'm not saying bad games are on normally on Friday nights, but it's not often we get to see a game of this quality. If it was a brilliant game, um, and probably on us just about even in the end. Uh, are you optimistic in any way about Atleti against Liverpool? Can you make a case for them? Oh, definitely. Um, I, I look at Liverpool's performances of late, haven't been great, but still good enough to beat everyone in, in the Premier League. Um, and, and I think the Atletico situation is that they prefer to be the underdog. You know, for, for a few years now, they've, it's, they haven't even been underdogs when they play Barcelona and, and Real Madrid. Um, so I think that, that against Atletico, Morata came back at the weekend, had some playing time. It'd be interesting to see if any others can make a recovery. So they, 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 they're clearly not going to be at their strongest. 
But no, I, I look and I think, yeah, with Simeone, they'll be well organised. They'll have a plan. The plan will be to try and get a nil-nil in the first leg at home. I've no doubt about that. There'll be, first and foremost, everything will be about keeping a clean sheet in the first leg at home and rely on, you know, going to Anfield, maybe, you know, keeping it tight again, trying to get a break, um, a counter-attack, scoring an away goal. That's So they're going to go into this massive, not massive, firm underdogs against the, the current champions. And I think that suits Atletico more. So, yeah, no, I, I would make Liverpool favourites. But that's why, why I'm saying Atletico are underdogs. Um, but no, I, I give Atletico a chance in, in, in the, the two legs against Liverpool, definitely. Uh, right, OK, let's let's uh, crack on to the rest of La Liga. So uh, I suppose that takes it down to the... We'll have a look at the bottom again where uh, it's all close. Uh, Severe 2, Espanyol 2. And Espanyol, sort of remarkable improvements in form and yet they somehow stubbornly say stay bottom of the league because all of the teams... Uh, down there, picked up some kind of uh, point, and Sevilla somehow stay in the battle for the Champions League places despite a, a pretty terrible set of results because they lost to Celta Vigo last week. They drew with Alaves uh, the week before, so that's you know, you know you'd have looked at those and said nine points possibly or seven points, and they've ended up getting what is it one or two points uh, from those those three games. So there's not a lot of gap between not a lot of difference in quality between almost top and the very bottom. Yeah, it's one win in the last six for Sevilla, surprisingly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it's a, a disappointing result for Sevilla, this disappointing set of results for Sevilla, who seem to have become unravelled a bit. You know, at the start of the season, we were talking about this new version of Seville and, you know, how they were robust and more aggressive and stronger and going back to Hatafe, powerful. They suddenly look slow. In my opinion, you know, the games I'm seeing, mm. I'm looking at the individuals playing, and and they look a, a quite a slow, ponderous team, purely built on strength and power. So, Suso and Acampos, the goal scorers, Suso in particular had a really good game. He looked lively today, um, and Espanyol with no Real de Thomas, you're thinking you've got no chance, um, but they responded well. Belief is on the up for not only them, you know, other teams at the bottom. Um, Mallorca picked up another point, another win at home. That's 20 points at home, one point away. <laughs> so they're still fighting, but it's going to have to be done at, at home in their own stadium. Um, the disappointing one for me are Leganes, how they're behaving and approaching the relegation fight compared to Celta, Espanyol and Mallorca this weekend. Yeah, nil-nil draw with Betis, who had... What was Borja Iglesias sent off for? I couldn't quite see. It's some kind of confrontation uh, with the bench, isn't it? But I'm not quite sure what he did. Uh, or for yeah, that matter, no, what else happened in that game? He shoved. Yeah. yeah, he shoved right. a, a member. But this is... All right, Leganes are at home. Let's put this into context. Leganes yeah. are at home. They, they attacked for about the first 10 minutes, not with any real style or commitment in terms of chucking players forward. It was just a fast start to the game. And then as the game went on, they just retreated and retreated and retreated to the extent that I think that confused Raul Betis, who were playing away from home against a team that they expected at the, at the bottom of the league to be fighting and coming out and attacking. And it took Betis far too long to realise they're not attacking us. They've got one player in the attacking half. If they've got, you know, five at the back, four in midfield, the two wide midfield players were both could be considered fullbacks. 
it was it was just a bizarre setup. And then towards the end of the game, when it's nil-nil, bear in mind, the ball goes out for a throw-in. It goes near the bench of Leganes, and one of the coaching staff of Leganes held on to the ball. So Betis time wasting. So you're time wasting at home, and it's nil-nil, and you need points to you need wins to stay up. And the coaching staff held on to the ball, and Buja Iglesias shoved one. And it actually, it could have been worse. I mean, he shoved him, not massively, not massive shove, but there's a little gap between two uh, benches. And, and this fella goes between the two gap and falls down the middle of it. So it, it was clear it was going to be a red card. But what irritated me a bit at the end of that game was both sets of players looked bemused. Betis were disappointed with how they played. They were awful. They were unhappy with the result. The Leganes players were unhappy with the result as well. And then Javier Aguirre turns around to the bench, uh, to the supporters, I'm guessing to the director's box, and c- celebrated with a clenched fist. <laughs> His team yeah. had, had got the point and the nil-nil they were searching for. And I'm thinking he, he's certainly got them going in the right direction. But to celebrate a nil-nil draw at home against Betis, who are mid-table and are playing like a mid-table team, um, is, is, bizarre, is bizarre. As I say, to the extent, I think it confused Betis that, hang on, you're meant to be attacking us and we're, we've set up to play on the counter-attack and you're not having it. You're just playing five defenders, four across midfield and Martin Braithwaite is about a mile and a half away from anyone else in the team. So... It was a bizarre game. I deserve a medal for watching the whole of that match, I must be honest. Yes, yes. Well done, well done. Uh, now, Granada <laughs> 2 by Dolly 1, the Saturday night game. Uh, I don't want to moan too much about the scheduling, but, you know, I, I used to like a really good Saturday, a glamorous Saturday night game. And with, as we say, all due respect to Granada versus uh, and Valladolid, it's not a glamorous tie. Having said that, uh, entertaining end to the game. And I, I'd commentated earlier, Terry, on the uh, West Brom Nottingham Forest game, and the yeah. uh, and that because I'm not a big fan of VAR, but there was there were quite a few really confusing incidents in that 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 tilted the game, and I was thinking, oh, I don't know, we could have done with VAR in that one. And then I watched you know, I watched Granada, uh, and after and the amount of time it took to to let the goals happen. Uh, and I was just yes. like, oh, this is because you know, it should have been an exciting finish to the game, but it's somehow dragged on forever. Um, and I suppose, other than me moaning about VAR, uh, Valladolid, uh, slightly unluckily, are getting dragged into this relegation battle now, aren't they? Yeah, again, though, uh, people know that listen to our podcast over the years. I'm, I'm not a fan of teams that just try and draw their way to, to safety without playing a attacking football of, of any kind and Vida did fall into that category I think they're drawing 11 this season they played two up front which is a sign that they're trying to be attacking but the rest of the team is are miles away from Enizuno and Guardiola um, they're hard to score against they're hard to beat so much credit to Granada in this game because they had the Copa del Rey semi-final where they just about held on to only get beat 1-0 to give them a chance in the second leg against Athletic Club. And they could, you know, it's a, it's a big moment for Granada. They're going to the second leg. I did realise it's not for another month, which is bizarre in the fact that we've had week after week after week. And then we come to the two-legged semi-finals, a month between the two legs. 
Um, but they've got a chance of going, you know, one nil behind, playing at home, every chance of, of pulling off a result. Um, for them to come off the back of that game the other night, make a few changes to 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 go behind, um, bizarrely with a cross come shot that goes in at the near post, to fight back, get the equaliser, and then an absolutely brilliant goal from Carlos Fernandez in. I think it was the 96th minute of the game. You saw the the celebrations of the players, the the, the coach, the support staff. You know the fans as well, and you know for them to to come back in that manner when they would have been more fatigued than Vidalid, um, to be behind to come back and win three more ad, you know valuable points keeps them well away from relegation troubles. I think it was a, a really pleasing end to a Saturday night's football actually. I think the goal from Carlos Fernandez tops it off. It was a brilliant goal, and we shouldn't forget that he's. I'm guessing he's he's got more goals than the. Severe strikers that's allowed him out on loan to play for Granada this season. So certainly a player to look out for, I think, for a return back to Severe. Certainly if they've got any sense, they would yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, and then they'd loan him out again at the uh, the end of August, um, <laughs> which is sign, sign four more players to replace him. Um, and let's have a look. Oh, so a- Athletic against Osasuna. So nice finish. Oh yeah, the only goal for Osasuna. Very very handy result for them. Uh, am I now? A- Athletic, as as you say, uh, going strong in the in the Copa del Rey. No winning nine in La Liga. Uh, sort of it sort of crept up on me a little bit. That isn't it? That, that you know that's that's not a good situation. If five points from nine games, three consecutive defeats, and they're down now in mid table. Yeah, no, it isn't. It's, I mean, he made one or two changes today. Where they played the three at the back, the, the wing backs. A young player called Unai Vencedor came into midfield, gave a really good account of himself. Interesting enough, he, he took every set piece. So he's obviously got talent in that department. Garitano, I thought, panicked by taking off Fier Libre, who played well in the first half. He looked quite lively. Goal scoring is, is their problem. And he took him off at half-time. They didn't look any better until Adariz come on. He still looks the best centre forward. They've got the age of 39. And and I have to say, I have to be honest, I feel sympathy for them in this particular game. They battered Osasuna. After the Osasuna got their goal, where it was pretty even up until that point. And then, you know, the nature of playing away from Osasuna, it's a big game for them. Good travelling support, playing at San Marmis. And after that, they retreated and went into protection mode for the rest of the game. Just about held on. Athletic hit the woodwork twice. Adderis had a brilliant header, come back off the post with a goalkeeper beaten. The young uh, midfielder I talked about, Vencedor, he hit the bar of a free kick. It was last-ditch defending, five at the back for Osasuna. Three midfield players working their socks off. They rode their luck. Goalkeeper pulled off some good saves. Really... Being honest, though, Athletics should have won that comfortably today. So it's just the, the way things are, are going for them at this moment. But it is a worry that they're, you know, lacking goals, they're you know, lacking wins, slipping down the table, which is is not what they want to do. Um, but they have scored; they're scoring less than a goal a game, 23 and 24. They've only conceded 20, which is the third best in the division. Um, but it would have been a frustrating evening for the athletic supporters in that game against Osasuna. Uh, so one more game, Terry. Uh, a couple of great finishes for Villarreal to beat uh, Levante by two goals to one. Uh, they, they, they're doing all right, Villarreal, aren't they? I know we've, we've much 
uh, criticised uh, Calleja uh, through the season. But as, as everyone else seems to be dropping away, they, they're sort of ploughing on, picking up decent results here and there. They're, I think they're sixth now. And it was a really good derby. I mean, it was Levante played their part. It, they didn't come there looking for a draw, looking for a point. They took the game to VRL. It was it was fifty fifty. There was, I would say, the big difference was that the quality players that VRL have are playing well. So Moreno is now playing on the right, coming inside on his left foot of a front three. He's not playing on the wing. He's playing slightly more closer to Alcacer. So that's developing. Scored a great goal using that skill. Perfect coming in from that side, picking up a loose ball and firing on with his left foot into the corner. Moy Gomez is playing fantastically well. Cazorra is playing fantastic. Trigueros is playing out of his skin as well. So that gives you an idea of the quality there. You know, when you're talking about Cazorra, Trigueros, Moreno, Alcacer, Moy Gomez, really good to watch at the moment going forward. And I say, Levante was slightly unlucky, but Villarreal certainly deserved to win that. I didn't realise how two-footed and how similar Moy Gomez has become to Santa Cazorla, who was still absolutely brilliant in this game. But Moy Gomez, his touches, his skills, his control, his balance, he reminds me, you know, a lot of Santa Cazorla. And I'm kind of pleased he's doing well because I never knew why they let him go in the first place. And he drifted around for Sporting Hihon, I think it was. Um, they got him back for one and a half million. When I look at him now, I think he's a real accomplished footballer with a lovely first touch, intelligent. What a steal that was for VRL, getting him back for one and a half million euros. Uh, right. Well, I, I think we'll leave it there, Terry. So uh, enjoy the, the European football. It's good to have it back, isn't it? I must I must say, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good for it to have a break. And then uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing those games uh, this week. This is the, the strange round of games, isn't it, where it sort of takes about five weeks to play these games. Man City's ban will be over by the time yes. this round of games has, has come to a I'm conclusion. Looking forward but let's, to the... let's enjoy them. Go on. Hatafe AI. Atlanta, Atlanta. Which game, sorry? Hatafe against Ajax. I'm looking forward to seeing how that Oh, right, up. yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Europa yes. League. Yeah, should be, uh, yeah, interesting contrasting styles. Should be some good, uh, yeah, some good games coming up this week, aren't there? Um, Champions League <laughs> and then Europa League. Thursday night uh, right and then so we'll come back and we'll have a look at next weekend's uh, La Liga uh, uh, games as well uh, the uh, big two are playing on Saturday aren't they obviously with um, Champions League coming up the, the following midweek after that so uh, enjoy all of your football this week Champions League Europa League La Liga and we'll see you next week bye bye expenses to occasional splurges there's a lot to buy why not get cash back every time you spend with the PenFed power cash rewards card you get cash back on every purchase that's everywhere every time you use it 
You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 